Hi, I'm Alex Jump, and this is Focus on Health, a podcast dedicated to discussing and bringing to light the fundamental issues surrounding health and wellness in the food and beverage industry. This week, my guest is Ray Padilla. While currently in school pursuing a degree in neuroscience, he spent many years working in bars and restaurants along the way. Throughout our chat, we discussed how important rest and water can be to maintaining our health, even in physically demanding jobs. Hey everyone, I'm Alex Jump and this is the Focus on Health podcast. Today I have a really awesome guest with us, Ray Padilla. Am I saying that right, Ray? Absolutely. Awesome. Welcome. Um, Ray, your bio is really pretty impressive. So you spent a lot of your career in the hospitality industry, having worked throughout California as well as in Aspen. And you also spent 10 years, um, I feel like it's maybe more recently, as a personal trainer, uh, voted the best personal trainer in Monterey County. I think that's important to mention. That's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and these days, you are back in school pursuing a degree in neuroscience. Um, are you getting your PhD or are you going for a master's? What are you working on? No, so this is actually, it's a pretty interesting story. So like when I um, first went to school, I was actually a major in kinesiology. Um, okay. Just because I knew I, I wanted to do something involving the human body movement, um, that kind of thing. So I was uh, going to school in San Diego at the time, which is how I know, you know, Willie has uh, some mutual acquaintances there. Um, but when I was there, I realized to do what I wanted to do, which was essentially personal training. I didn't really need the degree. So what I did was I just started kind of like building my knowledge base and, you know, getting certifications, which you can just get. I mean, you don't really need mm-hmm. a four-year degree to get those. Um, and the, just through reading and practicing and that kind of thing, I just decided that I could accomplish my goal um, just by getting those. So that's kind of what I did. So I actually never finished that bachelor's. Um, so the whole idea behind me going back to school was essentially to get a uh, degree in something that I wanted to excel in. So with neuroscience, um, that was really important to me to, you know, just just have an emphasis that was more kind of like all encompassing in terms of human physiology. Um, So, I mean, like, you know, with personal training, you're doing a lot of just like muscle and um, just kind of like an understanding the balance between, you know, like, like functional movement and, um, you know, fat storage, energy expenditures, that kind of thing. But Mm -hmm. then as soon as you go deeper into the physiology, I mean, that's kind of what like fascinated me about, um, you know, neuroscience, because it's essentially just like the primary mechanism that's responsible for all that stuff that you're accomplishing in the gym. So right, it, it took me down a path where, you know, I wanted to go really deep into the science and it, it kind of led me into um, a career that I'm pursuing now, which is in pathology. So I'm doing more kind of like things that are, you know, like diagnostics in terms mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, like we, you know, we know in the climate we're in right now, we do a lot of like virology and that kind of thing with COVID mm-hmm. testing. Um, the lab I work at essentially, you know, they, they are primarily, they started like as a, a female reproductive health thing. So we would do like pap smears and that kind of thing, but have evolved into doing tissue samples. Um, we have a viral, virology department, like I said, there's cytology, histology. So like essentially anything that deals with tissues, um, and, you know, human diagnostics, that's what my main focus is right now. But, you know, without that base in personal training, I don't know if I would ever have discovered that. So Yeah, it's, a, you know, it's funny how, you know, 
the world kind of takes you in crazy ways if you if you let it if you learn to let go of control a little bit and just like hop along for the ride for a while absolutely and you know it's it's one of those things where you know like um going into the personal training uh career i never thought i'd end up here you know i was just like you know i just wanted to learn exactly how um you know to to build muscle to achieve optimal health through nutrition and that kind of stuff and then i got good at that and then you know once you once you accomplish a goal then all of a sudden there's all these other goals that open up too so yeah um and that's you know i'm kind of in the next phase of that and then who knows once i get because i I am kind of kind of go for a phd in neuroscience so once i get that i'll probably want to be like an architect or something (laughs) (laughs) duh naturally Well, I've been really looking forward to chatting with you, uh, not just because of your active study of the human body and brain chemistry, but, you know, more particularly because of your unique perspective of how you can relate that specifically to folks who work in the food and beverage industry. You know, like people always talk about how, you know, there's all these studies that say that like working in restaurants is like the second most stressful job that you can have after being a surgeon or something like that. And it's really funny. I've been thinking about that a lot lately because of the heightened emotions and conflicts that arise throughout working in restaurants during COVID. Um, I think that people can really underestimate how much of an effect the customer interaction um, kind of induced stress or even like interactions with coworkers, um, just these heightened emotions and the stress that 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 can have and the toll it can take on a person, you know, can you explain maybe a little bit to everyone listening what's going on in our brain when we're dealing with these kinds of interactions and maybe we can even talk about some steps to like protect ourselves against these kinds of stresses. Oh, sure. I mean, that's like, you know, anybody who's ever worked in any kind of restaurant or hospitality setting, I mean, they're essentially, I mean, what you're doing is you're, you're kind of being a representative of whatever establishment you're coming into, but you're also having to manage different personalities as they come in. Yeah. So if you have, um, you know, a baseline of, um, you know, your mood, let's just say like overarching terminology, it's just like your mood is in a certain place and then it's getting pulled in all kinds of different directions based off of who you're interacting with. That's going to trigger all of these responses in your brain that are associated with like stress, you know, cortisol response, that kind of stuff. Um, but the cool thing about that, the cool thing about the brain is it's super plastic. So, I mean, it's able, you know, you with the through, you know, like concentrated effort, you can actually, stop that from happening you know like you you kind of just have to understand that those people that are coming in you know they're coming in in a bad mood and they're being really short with you and rude or whatever it is mm-hmm. you know they're they're essentially coming in for the same product or the same service as anybody else going in there so if you just understand that you know the message that they're conveying to you in terms of like okay i'm i'm here for a drink or i'm here for food i'm here for a hotel room whatever it is um, the end goal is always the same. So, I mean, no matter what the delivery system is, like in terms of like their attitude or that kind of thing, if you almost like are able to achieve a level of stoicism, mm-hmm. meaning like, you know, you don't let it them affect your mood, which is, you know, it's easier said than done. Right. And like through practice, you can get it done. But I think that's really the key is understanding that, you know, it doesn't matter how they conduct themselves. Your job is the same no matter what. So, I mean, if you are able to, kind of go beyond that and kind of just like understand like okay there's something there's some things I can just some steps I can take to essentially um you know like kind of mitigate the situation and not let it like snowball into something where you're going to get irritated and all of a sudden let your 
service or you know your your the quality of your service get diminished i mean that's really the key yeah not Um, be like not to be like reactionary but rather like yeah yeah but there's i mean there's little things i mean it's just it's a lot of this stuff is going to sound cliched but i mean typically just like taking deep breaths it helps so much Mm -hmm. you know actually like listening to what they're saying so if somebody comes in and you know like they're just being rude they're standoffish and then all of a sudden there's like this isn't what i ordered you know like mm-hmm. don't just react just think like okay it's not what you ordered um maybe maybe have them like no be calm say like okay well can you repeat what you ordered i apologize you know and just actually listen to them because a lot of times when people are doing that you know like it'll it'll kind of like it'll exponentially grow if you react in a bad way so i mean if you were just to react with the same polite attitude to people it's going to make them look back at themselves and be like okay you know they're trying they're 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 not they're not doing this because of negligence or because they have some kind of like you know vendetta towards me um it was you know honest mistake apologize and that kind of thing and then from there the the interaction should get better i mean in most cases it will i don't think people are like very adamant about maintaining a conflict even if they do come in and they're standoffish you know yeah so um i really think that's the key is just understanding that like you have control over the situation you know it's very easy to kind of slip into a thing and be like you know like okay well you're gonna be rude i'm gonna be rude right back right um and that but that's only gonna you know it's then the next customer that you uh interact with you know you're gonna carry some of that weight into that interaction as well yeah so i always kind of think about i always kind of think about um like a long time ago i was seeing therapists this is probably like eight years ago now, or maybe even longer. And I, I can't remember even how we got to talking about it, but you know, I, something about somebody honked, you know, some kind of like conflict on the road, somebody like honked, whatever it was, I can't remember. And she said something like, you know, every time something happens to me like that, you know, I just always try to remind myself or ask myself, you know, like, you know, I'm glad that my day's not going as poorly as their day must be going. Like, and I, mm-hmm. I always try to remind myself of that kind of just that little nugget of like, you know, people's reactions uh, and, and the interactions you have with people are not solely based on like the face-to-face interaction that you're having, but very much have to do with, you know, like what's happened in their day, week, month, oh, year, yeah. life <laughs> before you've right. come face-to-face with them. So it's like, you know, really having that cognizance to to remove yourself from the emotional like ties of that one interaction for like your own self-preservation, I think is so important. Oh no, absolutely. I mean, but it's, it's literally like, if you just look at it in the way of just kind of what you said, understanding that there's a whole backstory to that mood that they're in and like, you could be the catalyst to change it for them. You know, like it's just, you know, like there's almost like a certain level of empathy that, um, you know, I think everybody has, I mean, it's, it's easy to, kind of ignore it sometimes but especially if somebody's being rude to you but um in that sense i mean you you have control over the interaction you can turn something that's like standoffish and kind of like confrontational into something that's you know positive and then you're going to take that back and you know it's going to it's going to make your day better as well as theirs you know so i mean you could almost be selfish with it and be like okay well i'm just not going to let this affect me right because i don't feel like being in a bad mood mm-hmm. um and you know like i said the breath work will really help um, just take, you know, especially doing it under the mask right now, it's kind of easy just to, <laughs> you know, just take a, take a big breath. And I mean, there's a whole mechanism behind that as well in terms of like, you know, just like anything that's negative inside your body essentially manifests in acidity, you know, mm-hmm. like whether, um, you know, the 
carbon you know, builds up in your body creates a carbonic acid and you basically get rid of that by breathing for one that's why we exhale co2 mm-hmm. and then also by drinking water which is actually a huge thing that i think most people don't do especially people who work in restaurants just because you know you're busy you know you got yeah. one thing coming in after another especially like you know like when it's you know dinner time that kind of thing of uh, the rush is coming in you're not thinking about drinking water or anything yeah. like that but you're trying to make sure <clears throat> your ticket times are under 10 minutes exactly <laughs> exactly but i mean drinking water i mean it takes all of you know a handful of seconds to get done right but what that's going to do is it's going to give your body what it needs to essentially like even things out i mean everything is basically everything that you do that's good for your body mm-hmm. is essentially working towards homeostasis you know yeah. and then water you know, whether you're alkaline or you're acidic, water is going to be that thing that pulls it towards that middle point where you need to be. Yeah. So, so it's kind of, it's almost kind of like your body, like if you're, if you're stressed, um, and you know, your, your breathing is constricted, um, and, mm-hmm. and you're not drinking water, your body is, it kind of sounds like you're saying your body's almost in like survival, like fight or flight mode. Um, oh no, totally. Yeah. That's the thing is like your body's going to find a way to get to that homeostatic point like it doesn't really matter what you're doing i mean that's kind of where disease comes from it's because you're putting your like your body through unnecessary stresses so it's having to pull harder towards that center point you know it's just like when you're doing everything right homeostasis is much easier to reach Mm -hmm. so the idea behind it is that you need to make it as easy as possible for your your body to maintain internal constancy um and especially i mean i'm glad you brought up um, you know, like with the masks and everything, just because, you know, you're, if so, I mean, you're, you're still able to breathe with the mask on, but you are getting a little bit less um, mm-hmm. oxygen per breath, you know, not, not in terms of concentration, that's more or less the same, <clears throat> but, you know, there's just less slipping through. So, you know, think about it, like if you were having to breathe through a straw for a while, you know, mm-hmm. you're going to get a lot less per breath. So um, we know with, with less breaths that's coming in, less CO2 that's leaving, that one mechanism that's responsible for a lot of like that, you know, bringing you back down to baseline to a neutral pH, um, that's going to be a little bit harder for your body. So another way to offset that is drink more water. Yeah. You know, I'm a easy. big just... fan of drinking water during my shift. I, I mean, Absolutely. if no, if anybody listening does not drink water out of a deli, like I'm just going to say right now, like big game changer. I mean, like, I don't know, Ray, what you drink your water out of. I pretty much like exclusively drink water out of delis, which if anybody doesn't know what that is, it's like the round court containers that we store food in at the bar or, you know, garnish mm-hmm. or liquid or whatever. Um, but they're, oh. they're, you know, a quart. And so like, you know, every time you finish one, like I just drank a quart of water. Um, right. And I'll drink like five or six on a busy night um, throughout the shift. And um, I love drinking water. <laughs> I love water. I mean, it's just one of those, it's, it's so easy to do, but I just think people just don't really do it. I mean, I usually just keep, when I was doing a bar backing, um, I would keep a giant 64 ounce um, hydro flask. I would just fill that and I just knew, okay, by the end of the shift, this has to be gone. And, yeah. um, you know, I would just turn around and every time I got a few seconds, I would just like chug it and yeah. like, you know, I'd knock out eight ounces at a time. And then before I knew it, it was gone. Mm-hmm. Um, but that helped me a ton in terms of like, just staying kind of like, you know, just staying in a, in a state where I was hydrated. I wasn't like, you know, overly stressed because my body wasn't really like doing things to kind of like offset whatever dehydration yeah. I might, might've been facing or that kind of thing. Um, but I mean, it's just, if you just like prioritize it, even just like have a, 
you know, get, get like a little tumbler and just fill it with water and be like, okay, like every half hour or so, I just got to pound this. I mean, it's going to take you a second. Yeah. We, I mean, like we like to, we'll stop once after we kind of get through a big push at the bar, um, at death and co we'll like stop and everyone will like take a water shot and we'll just fill like water glasses and everyone will take a water shot. And, you know, like even, and back in the day, like, you know, last year, pre COVID, like on a busy Saturday night, we would get through a push. And if, if it was me and another bartender in a bar back behind the bar, I would pour water shots and make everybody take a knee. (laughs) And we'd like, like they make it fun. But, you know, I've also kind of like, I've gotten to this point where like, I pretty much, I refuse to like, uh, I'm trying to think of the right phrase for it. Like I refuse to like pretend like bartenders and servers and line Mm. cooks or whatever, like don't have bodily functions like our guests do, you know, like, so like this whole like shame of like, Oh, the guests can't see you drink water. Like I refuse to accept that anymore. Like guests I'm, I just don't subscribe to that method of thinking as far as service is concerned anymore. So like if anyone's listening and they're like, I can't drink water behind the bar because I can't drink water and like guests see me drink water and I have to step off the line to drink water. Like, no, no longer an excuse. <laughs> drink water. Yeah, I would say, I mean, I've, I've never once looked over and saw, um, you know, a server or anything like sipping some water and been like, ew. <laughs> <laughs> How dare they? Yeah. Like, right. It's like, yeah. what do they think this is? <laughs> yeah. What do they think they are? Human? <laughs> right. I uh, mean, it's just like, it's one of those things. Like, I just think that everybody's got to breathe. Everybody's got to drink water. And there, you know, there's like a universal empathy there. I don't think it's Take a sip of <laughs> water, wash your hands, and then get back to work. Well, Right. Um, I, this diatribe about water has been amazing, but I'm sure people would love to hear more about other things. I, oh, I sure. love water. Um, oh yeah, this this conversation <laughs> go on forever. I know. I'm like, <laughs> tune in next week for the second episode of talking about water. Um, <laughs> so, being a personal trainer and a hospitality veteran, I'm sure right. you're privy to the fact that people working in bars, uh, you know, are really tough on their body. It's you know, mm-hmm. I recently started seeing a physical therapist. And when I was like going through the process of looking for one, um, I saw I saw one lady, I was really unhappy with how it went. I felt like, you know, I didn't feel like it was going to be the uh, a, a good match for me. Um, I started thinking about why and you know, I realized that I really needed a physical therapist who like, maybe is like, used to almost seeing like athletes or something like that because like there's repetitive motion in this work like that can create injury and it's like it's different than sitting at a desk and working all day and and all of that so like I guess my question for you is like are there things that you would suggest to clients on how to prevent repetitive injury like repetitive motion injuries or you know what's your thought on that oh yeah I just think that in general I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head. I think that there's like that repetitive motion is essentially just like you are breaking down your body in the same way every single time. And there's that's where imbalances come from, you know. So, I mean, like if you uh, like take um, I mean, this isn't really hospitality, but take like people who are checkers, like at grocery stores, mm-hmm. for example, like they're essentially, you know, they're they're moving um, products from one end to the other, either with external rotation of the shoulder joint mm-hmm. or the opposite they're doing it all all day every day so when you're doing that all you're doing is you're essentially just getting that you know your humerus fits into your scapula there you're wearing it down in that plane over and over and over again so what you need to do is essentially you know there's something called collateral strength where you're essentially building up the muscle around that joint but what you need to focus on is 
you need to identify the repetitive motion and you need to almost do something that opposes it. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, in terms of like something simple as like a band, you can keep a band with you, um, you know, like not, not at work, but like, you know, if you're just sitting down, you know, watching TV or something, or just like, if you want to go to the gym, um, you know, you just find something that's, um, you know, working the opposing motion. So um, especially, you know, being, having to polish silverware and that kind of stuff, like these little muscles in your wrists and that kind of thing. And this is actually something that's huge. Most people, not only in hospitality, but <clears throat> specifically in hospitality, they will, um, you know, they, they don't ever focus on the extension portion of their wrist. So, I mean, flexion is when you like you're grasping something, you know, mm-hmm. you're squeezing down, you're making a fist. That's going to be flexion. Extension is when you're opening your hand. So, I mean, there's never no but people don't strengthen in that plane. You know, they're mm-hmm. always strengthening, like doing the stress balls and that kind of thing. Um but for the most part, those muscles are good. I mean, we, you know, we grip, you know, every day of our lives in every right. aspect, you know, that's kind of what we do. But, you know, when you start kind of focusing on the opposite of that, you know, opening um, those hands up against, you know, like um, uh, resistance, that's when you're going to start seeing a benefit there. You know, a lot of people will develop like elbow problems and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And they think it's, you know, they, they don't really relate it to their grip. Right. Um, but if you think if you think about like flexing, you know, and squeezing all the time, I mean, those muscles that um, you know are responsible for moving your fingers, their origins are all up in the arm, you know, kind of around that elbow. You know, yeah. you got a muscle called your pronator teres, which is responsible for moving your hand, um, you know, kind of rotating it like so it's facing the ceiling or facing the ground. Um, there's other muscles that you know are responsible just for like opening the hand and kind of like you know like individual finger motions and that kind of thing. So what you need to do is you need to find a way to get that, um, that extension kind of like, you know, prioritize that. There's actually something, there's these bands that are called um, hand X bands. And you, you know, they've, it's it's almost like this rubber thing looks like brass knuckles almost, Mm -hmm. but you put your hand in there, you know, it's got a hole for each one of your fingers and your thumb. And then, you know, you put it in, it's like you're making like a, like a duck shadow puppet almost when you put it in. Uh And then you try to like expand it out. (laughs) Yeah. And then you just open up. And at first it's one of the hardest things you'll do, but the more you do it, you know, you can essentially make it like, you know, um, an open palm eventually. Mm -hmm. And then I remember like when I was training people, people would come in with, you know, what they thought was like golfer's elbow or tennis elbow, that kind of thing, just Mm -hmm. because like they would feel that inner part of their elbow start to like sting, get a little inflamed. Um, and I would just recommend that they got those within a couple weeks of doing that pretty regularly. It all went away just because like the, you know, those muscles that develop that overdevelop, they just get that, you know, your, your body's more primed to use them. So, I mean, like if you think about like, you know, like having like a pathway, to a muscle that's being used all the time, the brain's going to instantly just want to go to that pathway. Mm-hmm. It's going to be like, okay, well, we got to do something with our hands. Let's just fire down those axons that are like the easiest to navigate through, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's kind of where you need to get other things involved, like, you know, in the opposite direction. So there's like agonistic movement and antagonistic movement. Like that with every muscle, there's also a muscle that's opposing it on the other side. So if you never get the other one activated, the brain's not really going to prioritize that pathway. So you need to find a way to prioritize that pathway just so there's like a reciprocal relationship there. You're not just like constantly taxing one without like ever putting an emphasis on the other. Right. You know, so, I mean, if you think about that, I mean, you know, especially, you know, there's tons of 
weird things that you would have to do to get every single one. But in terms of like a hospitality um, restaurant job, there's some pretty obvious ones where you can be like, okay, well, you know, I'm opening bottles with this hand, you know, turning with this hand a lot. Um, I just need to do stuff that's the opposite. Right. So, well, I'm yeah, glad that you, that's, that's what we'll do I'm glad that you brought that up. Cause that's actually something I had like written down that I, that I wanted us to talk about was like how everything in our body is so connected because, you know, like, like I said, just a minute ago, mm-hmm. like going to physical therapy, I already kind of, I kind of had an understanding of like how connected, you know, like shoulders, back, like arms were, but you know, like having all these pains in my wrists, like what I'm, what I'm realizing, you know, is that that pain can like be traced up my forearm into my shoulders has a lot to do with like my posture, how, you know, like how I stand, how I sit, like, Oh yeah. And you know, people, we always are all like, Oh, you know, like have good posture, but like, I don't think anybody ever realizes how important that is. Like, do you have suggestions on how people could be more conscious on like a day-to-day basis of how to build better posture and to kind of start? Absolutely. That is probably the main thing that would be if you're not going to take anything out of this podcast at all you should take work on your posture (laughs) (laughs) i mean that's just that's across the board for everybody just because what you're doing when i mean you know most people don't have good posture just because of you know result of you know sleeping in a bed that's too soft and then getting in your car driving to work sitting sitting at a computer hunched over it's just like yeah that's not what our bodies are designed for yeah so um, what you should do, I mean, an easy way to kind of test your posture is just to back up against the wall, get your heels on the wall, and then you should have contact with your upper back and your butt, you know, but mm-hmm. most people are going to have, you know, their, their lower back is going to slump into the wall just because, you know, it, the way that we live nowadays is like, it's, it really is conducive to this like kind of bowed shoulder, mm-hmm. you know, rounded upper back type posture. Um, but that's, if you think about what that's doing. You know, just like we were talking about flexion and extension, um, your back, when it's in a neutral position, those upper back muscles are not like they're not rolled forward. You know, your shoulders are back like there's their scapular retraction. So your scapulas will move together naturally and kind of like sit um, in, a, in a pretty comfortable position. But most people are so tight in their front half that they don't have that scapular retraction anymore. Um, that's something that, you know, when I was teaching people how to do like basic rows and that kind of thing, I would, you know, they would just do it with their arms, you know, they would just pull the weight back and I would just kind of be like, well, you know, you're, you're moving the weight, but what are you really doing? You got to focus on the muscles that you're actually trying to pull from. Um, and I would put my hand in between their shoulder blades and I'd be like, squeeze my hand, you know, and they would do it. But if they were essentially like, they weren't like really activating the muscles in the proper way. So I would just show them, you know, go up against the wall. Do what I just said, put your arms out straight in front of you, and then just try to like get the outside of your shoulder to touch the wall. So you're essentially like, you know, like doing almost like a trying to squeeze the wall with your back, you know, and like that's essentially you're if you can't do that, if you don't have that like ability to have that motion, what you're doing is you're essentially like you're pulling your body forward. So then like that, the, all the muscles in your lower back, which are supposed to be like really concentrating on stabilizing your spine they're going to be trying to pull you back the whole time, mm-hmm. you know, so because your body wants to go forward because of the, the nature of that posture. So what you need to do is you need to like, just make it easier on that lower back. You need to get your scapulas or your shoulders to kind of like sit back a little bit. Um, that's going to kind of like center them 
over your lower back and your hips just so it's you know it's more conducive to <laughs> you know staying upright and that kind of thing totally um and then and then you know like abdominal um strength is also very good the best way to do it honestly the easiest way to do it um especially with like you know just what we have at our uh, disposal in terms of gyms there's an exercise called farmer's carries mm-hmm. um I mean, you can do it. There's like a hexagon bar that people would do a deadlift with. All you got to do is just, you know, put some weight on there, lift it up and walk. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's all you got to do. Cause like when you're in that motion, you are having to carry weight. You're, um, you're, you you have to engage your abs just by nature of the exercise. You're not going to be able to do right. it if you <laughs> have soft abs. Um, so, I mean, it's going to force you to put yourself under load and walk. And, you know, like if, if you do it wrong, it's going to feel wrong. So, I mean, you just do it, focus on scapular retraction, um, squeeze your abs, um, you know, like kind of just get into a state where you're okay, like checking off all these boxes before you lift something. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I would see a server, you know, just get grab a full tray of food and drinks and all this stuff and just kind of just like just wrench their back, put it on their shoulder and just go for it, you know? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I was like, hey, that's, you know, you're tough, but if you just got down and almost just like, you know, engaged all the stuff and lifted it in a symmetrical motion, got it on the shoulder and kind of stabilized, you know, your body wants to, and you have something in your, your inner ear called your vestibular system and it's going to balance things out. Mm-hmm. But if you can do it with your muscles and actually understand like, okay, I can't lean really hard to this side to offset the weight of this thing. If you just understand like, you know, if I, if I engage all the muscles that are necessary to carry this and like I engage them together and then I move them together, I mean, it's almost just going to be there. You're not going to have those weird jerking movements that, you know, put way too much load on one muscle and kind of like, you know, cause you to have a back spasm or, you know, like all these weird things you wake up with in the morning. You're like, Oh, what the heck happened? Like I, I just went to work and you're just like, well, you know, remember that one time where you just, you know, you lifted the thing wrong and you know, the, the water kind of shifted a little bit and you had to kind of catch it really quick. Mm. I mean, little things like that are what kind of contribute to those like crazy injuries. It's never anything bad. Hey, I, I've never like, yeah, you're never like trying to pick up like a hundred pound box. Like, yeah, when you, you're like... not slipping, you're not slipping and falling right. on the back and like, you know, it's always just like, Oh, I got this weird thing and I moved a little bit wrong. Um, yeah. I had clients throughout their backs from taking off their shoes you know, just like you put your shoe on the back of your other foot and you kind of just slip it off. Mm-hmm. I had clients throw their backs out doing that. <laughs> um, never anything crazy. So, I mean, it's always just like, it's just an imbalance of movement. So, I mean, like maintaining posture, understanding how to partition, you know, like, um, you know, your strength in terms of flexing muscles at the same time and just kind of reinforcing that over and over again. It's just going to, it's going to pay such big div- dividends, not only in your restaurant career, but also when you're older, I mean, it's just going to make it way easier to maintain everything. Yeah. Well, you know, I like when you're talking about like back injuries and, you know, I think, and then when we start talking about like longevity of life, I feel like, you know, a lot of us are always kind of like looking at that such like short, narrow view of everything, you know, where people are like, Oh, I'll just push through the pain to be there for the shift or like whatever. And, you know, we, I think we all could be a little bit better about thinking more about like, okay, well, if I push through the pain for this shift, am I going to be out like two weeks because my back is really fucked? Or right. or do I just like take this one day, maybe one or two days off and rest and recover and then be fine? You know, like it's hard for us to kind of like make the concession that, you know, in the moment 
and then we always are like suffering those consequences like long term right. and that can be related to either like right now at work or like how that's going to affect us like later in life like and see i respect that I, I love when people want to push through pain but i'm like you're doing it at the wrong time right go to the gym and you know when something gets hard for you to maintain your form push through that pain there you go <laughs> you know? like yeah don't push through pain when you're just doing stuff like you know to just to, to kind of grind your teeth and get through the shift like you know to just treat every other um like you know hour of your day when you're not at work as is as an investment right in like how you're going to conduct yourself at work whether it's like putting yourself in a good mood doing stuff that you need to do outside of work so you're not stressed out about that you know doing physical maintenance on yourself nutrition getting the right amount of sleep like all that stuff's just going to make everything else better so and you know if it's uncomfortable for you to do that stuff focus on that pain get through that you right. know that's going to be the stuff that's going to be beneficial for you rather than being like oh i'm a back hurts but whatever i'm just going to take a deep breath and knock out this shift 100 <laughs> percent. yeah well we have a couple more minutes and i you know you just talked about you mentioned something that um i hold very near and dear to my heart which is sleep um mm -hmm. i we all know it's important we never get enough of it you know that's just like the way it goes but like can you enlighten us on how important sleep is and you know what what should we be getting how many hours are we supposed to get you know like what's the deal what's the deal with sleep well sleep okay so i mean so i said you know water and breathing are essential sleep's probably the third one mm -hmm. that you know if you don't get enough of it um, everything is just going to break down so you know in terms of so i mean without getting too sciencey on you um, you know, like your, your brain essentially just emits neurotransmitters based off of whatever you're experiencing. So if you experience something good, you get a little dopamine rush that tells you to, okay, that was awesome. Go get more of that. Mm -hmm. That's why drugs are so effective just because <laughs> they, they get that pathway open. You're just like, yeah, I want more of that. Um, serotonin is one that you get, you know, like when, when you're just in a perpetual state of happiness, you know, everything's going great. You just feel good. You're in the, you're in like the you're in the, the zone, you know, everything's mm -hmm. just, you're just knocking it out of the park, you know, that's more likely it's because of serotonin. Um, cortisol, something that you're getting stressed out about, you know, um, GABA is a, is a big one associated with sleep. That's kind of like the inhibitory one of the brain. So that's going to be released when you're, you know, kind of like going, you're, you're doing the rest and digest um, kind of portion of like the autonomic nervous system. You're like basically getting yourself to unwind recover that kind of thing mm -hmm. gab is going to get um, introduced into that but those neurotransmitters i mean they're not released evenly just based off of experience you know so i mean if you're having a bad day you're going to get a little more of the cortisol if you're having a good day a little more of the serotonin that kind of thing but the beauty about sleep is that it kind of resets all of those to you know baseline mm. levels um so i mean if you don't get the sleep what's going to happen is like, you know, you're never going to really get to that reset point. And then like all of the damage that you did to your body, which I'm not saying like, you know, you had a, a rough physical day. It's just like, but just virtue of being alive. Yeah, I was going to say like, just like living now. is damaged. So, right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing is like your body's never in a static state. It's, it's either rebuilding or breaking down mm -hmm. no matter what you do. So um, if you're up and you're walking and you're alive and you're moving, like there's going to be cellular damage that's happening. Um, but while you're awake, you're essentially pulling most of your energy towards doing whatever you're doing when you're awake. Mm -hmm. um, when you're asleep, everything is shutting down. You're relying on processes that are involuntary. So like your brain stems controlling 
your heart rate, your breathing, all that stuff, you know, like you're not really having to do much. So your body can essentially take that, that energy that was being devoted towards the, you know, the things you're trying to accomplish and it can be like, okay, well, we got to repair these muscle cells that were damaged. We got to, you know, figure out a way to, you know, offset this um, acidity imbalance. You know, everything that's basically just like needs to be fixed gets fixed during sleep. Hmm. So if you never have that, you're basically just, you know, you are breaking down your body with, with like not ever experiencing the upswing in terms of, you know, like the, the built-in mechanism that your body uses to repair itself. And then if you keep on doing it, if you're habitual about it, uh, you know, it's just going to, it's just going to manifest in like very, very bad thing. I mean, that's kind of what, like what the basis for disease is, is like not having the ability to repair these things that go wrong Mm -hmm. and like they go wrong in everybody. Um, But, you know, you give your body the right nutrition, the right amount of, you know, like hydration. um, And then you're, it's almost like you're stockpiling, you know, like all of these, materials to build something and then sleeps when you build it so you know you could have the best construction crew on the planet and the best materials the best tools but then if you never designate time for them to work who cares right (laughs) you're not building anything you know so it's just like one of those things sleep is i would say probably the biggest equalizer um in terms of making sure that you're doing everything for your health. If you did everything correctly, but you got no sleep, it wouldn't matter. You know, sure, totally. Um, that's why I mean, you could you could sh- fall short of a lot of those other things and sleep adequately, and you're going to feel better than the person that doesn't get sleep. Boy, you know, that just... just really hits home for me. I mean, like in more ways than just like talking about sleep, but like, what a great way to relate that to sleep. You know, but like I'm always kind of talking about that like concept of like having work life balance and like. It literally, you know, you could work 10 hours a day, seven days a week, you know, 12 hours a day, seven days a week, and you will feel less accomplished and less successful than the person who, you know, works 40 hours a week. Like, absolutely. Because like that, having that balance and that, you know, and, you know, giving yourself the space to, to be a human in turn makes you you know, more successful. Sure. And, and that's, that's something, you know, people how like to say, uh, what's that saying? I'll sleep when I'm dead. You're like, well, you you're going to be dead pretty soon. No, <laughs> you know, that's my rebuttal to that. Whenever somebody says that to me, I'm just kind of like, you know what you can't do when you're dead? Wake up feeling well rested. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. Like I'd rather do that. Yeah. Like, I don't, I'm not really uh, somebody that is just gonna, I don't know. Like, so my productivity level is, it's just obvious. It goes down when I don't sleep as well. Totally. Um, well, and I can just deal with more. I mean, sleep is going to be how you deal with those difficult customers and how you deal with these like um, repetitive motion injuries and that kind of thing. That's where all the changes really manifest. So, totally. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Big fan. I love sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not get enough last night, but yeah, that's not, that's not my norm. Um, that's okay. Well, we're kind of coming up on the end um, of our, of our recording. But it's been so awesome getting to chat with you. Um, I hope that everybody enjoyed hearing about how much I love water and sleeping. <laughs> so I sound like a sloth. I'm like, sleeping is really cool. <laughs> um, but, you know, I like, I really like to end the podcast um, with just one question, kind of like food and beverage related, um, since we spend mm-hmm. kind of like the whole podcast talking about things that are, you know, like a little heavier or, 
you know, just like more serious. So Mm -hmm. um, as per Focus on Health podcast tradition, I would like to wrap it up by asking you if you could be anywhere in the world having a drink right now, where would you be and what would you be drinking? Uh, I'd be in my hometown, Monterey. Um, Let's see, there's a uh, Hyatt that overlooks uh, the Big Sur coastline. Mm. And I'd be sipping on some chilled top shelf tequila. That sounds incredible. What's your favorite brand? Uh, you know what? What is it? It's like the Jose Cuervo Family Reserve. Hell yeah. That's Sounds like, great. You know, somebody, somebody mentioned that to me, and I was like, I'm not drinking Jose Cuervo. And then they had me take that. You know, I think it's like $50 a shot when you get it at a restaurant. Um, but I had that, and I was just like, okay, I don't think I'm ever going to drink anything else. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it's got the quality of a, of a tequila that's, you know, three times the price. But it's just like it's somewhat affordable, and it's just got smooth. You know, it's just great. Like, I, yeah, that's one thing. Give me, give me a nice cold shot of that. I'll sip on that for an hour and love it. That sounds great. Well, right. It was so great to chat with you. Thank you for talking to us about all the crazy things that your brain does. Um, (laughs) I I was thinking about how it's like almost kind of creepy to think how your body is just like a little factory while you're sleeping. (laughs) And so it's a factory. We don't even know all the parts too. That's kind of the other thing that's fascinating. The brain is the, the kind of the foreman of it but it's still it's a he's a he's a mysterious or she's a mysterious person we don't know anything about it yet so that's why i'm so fascinated with this stuff and yeah i'm glad you uh gave me a chance to ramble as you can tell i have a lot to say about a lot of things so (laughs) well maybe we'll get to chat again uh chat again for a a second episode and and continue on that i'd love that that conversation well awesome i hope you have a wonderful rest of your day uh, and we'll chat soon Sounds good. Water and sleep. (laughs) Thanks, Ray. (laughs) Bye. All right, dear. See ya. This episode was brought to you by our wonderful sponsor, Most Imaginative Bartender. To learn more about the Most Imaginative Bartender competition and the Canvas Project, go to mostimaginativebartender.punchdrink.com. Make sure to tune in every Monday for new episodes of Focus on Health. And don't miss No Proof with Joshua Gandy every other Wednesday.